0: God is good, man. Um, I'm Joel, one of the pastors. We're in a series called Overcome. Please say overcome. We're going to be jumping into this, and we're looking at the life of Joseph. Started a couple of weeks ago, and we'll get to the end when we get to the end. Um, I'll give you a quick summary, because I want you to keep hearing it. Uh, people often ask me, like, Joel, how do you know all this scripture? How do you know this? It's repetition. I don't have a natural wiring where I see everything and go, oh, I know that now. Like those people with photographic memory, if you have a photographic memory, don't come talk to me. I struggle with you. Um, I praise God for your gifting, but I don't have it. Um, It's called repetition. I mean, I read just over and over and over and over. Before I ever open a commentary, I read a passage five, six, seven times, just allowing the word of God to soak deep into my heart. And so I look at it, and we're walking through the life of Joseph, which is found in the book of what? Genesis. Genesis. What's the first book of the Bible? Genesis. There you go. It's very simple. Here's the book of Genesis broken up. A couple weeks ago, you can go listen to that sermon if you want to. It gives you a little more detail. It's Genesis 1 through 11, and then 12 through 50. Those are your two primary chunks of the book of Genesis. 1 through 11 walks through creation, fall, redemption, restoration. There you go. It helps us to understand what that is. 12 through 50 lets us know the stories of four. Those are the four movements. And you got four people in Genesis 12 through 50. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Let's say it together. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And it walks through their life. Joseph is found primarily in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. And we start to look at this life. And we learn so much about them, but we learn a lot about us too. And what God is wanting us to, to take from their lives and to learn. So, uh, last week I was able to tell you in Genesis chapter 37, 1 through 11, what you have are a couple of dreams that Joseph had. Now, Joseph, uh, there's, you have Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob was re- later renamed what? Israel. Israel, Jacob, had 12 sons with four different ladies. That's called, uh, Okay. So um, that's what ends up happening. 12 of them total. Youngest is Benjamin, not Joseph. All right. So there's 12 that represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob renamed Israel. This is where you go, oh, right? Not really. I was kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Stand back up now. Um, So then you start to recognize, okay, here's Joseph in the life that he was to live, because Joseph, we were told last week, not two weeks ago, that there's a, at least 100 parallels of the life of Joseph to that of Jesus. And we learn so much from who he is. In those dreams, though, we learned that he didn't necessarily always say things the right way because he had dreams that he was a sheave, which is a wheat stalk, and all of his brothers were sheaves, and he came to his brothers and said, hey, guess what, guys? Um, My wheat stalk is going to stand upright, and all of you are going to bow to me. Isn't that awesome? And they said no. Um, Then he had another dream about all the stars and the moon and everything coming and bowing before him. That includes his father, and his father's like, well, you think I'm going to come and bow down and worship you? So the, it shows you also, though, that he had a favorite. He had the, the cloak of many, the coat of many colors, which represented that he was the favorite. Once again, when I asked this last week, how many of you know that you're the favorite of the family? Raise your hand. Some of you learned nothing from last week. All right. That was Joseph's dilemma as he would, he recognized he was the favorite, which means he would, even in, in Genesis chapter 37, verse two, he saw his brothers weren't working very well. So he came and he tattletaled, ratted them out. To his father, hey, these, my brothers aren't doing that good of a job. Um, so this, they, they, they kind of viewed Joseph in a way. And I actually think he did it out of innocence. I think he did it out of purity. But sometimes we don't absorb that very well. And so we see in this passage, before I start reading it, we see, we see the brothers of Joseph, the 10. Not, Benjamin was not there. But we see 10 of them, and they're tending to the sheep in Shechem. Everybody say Shechem. All right, So he goes to Shechem, finds out that they're not in Shechem. I just think it's a cool name. That they're actually about 10 miles away from there in Dothan. All right, So he's being asked by his father to go find them and see if everything's going okay. Which tells you that Joseph is at home. He's the favorite. So now he's going to go once again and see if they're doing a good job. This is the context that we are in. Uh, It would have been somewhat normal for people to travel 10 miles, 15 miles, 20 miles away. That was somewhat normal for them in order to make sure that the flocks had everything that they needed. Um, But that's a long way, by the way. This this last Thursday, I'll tell you how long it is um, and how hard it is. This last Thursday, um, I looked at about five of our guys who work here, and I said, hey, guys, let's go for a walk. They're like, sure. So um, this happened several days before because one of my buddies wanted to go for a walk. And um, I was like, we'll go 50 miles. Let's go 50 miles. So meet at my house at 6 a.m. Um, and so we did that. And I had already decided about Wednesday. We hadn't even started on the walk. I was like, 50 miles, that's a long way. And I started doing the math. And I was like, it's going to take us like 15, 16 hours. I can't, I don't have time for this. So we reduced it to 26 miles a marathon. We're going to walk a marathon on Thursday. Well, then I started thinking about it again before we even left. I was like, 26 miles is a long way. And so, long story short, we walked to downtown. We walked 15 miles and then we had somebody pick us up. (laughs) You're laughing when none of you walked 15 miles. Um, And my point is, this a long way. My legs are—they're they're fine, but I still feel it a little bit, even a few days later. And um, it was a great time to talk and to speak about what God was doing in people's lives. And um, it was an important time. We were done late morning, and then we got to go to work and prepare for this elder retreat that we had. But it's a long way. It wasn't a big deal to them, though. That was the life they lived. Man, they would go and do this and take the sheep over here. All of these things are unfolding. And that's what takes us to Genesis chapter 37, 12 and following. Will you please stand, please, for the reading of the Word of God? This is serious. I hope the people in the gym stood up as a joke while I go. I think that would be great. Um, Genesis 37, 12 through 20 is where we're going to go right now. Now, his brothers went to, the, to pasture their, their father's flock near... And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, Amen. here I am. I love that. Here I am. Okay, I'm going. Remember, that's a long way. So it's like, this wasn't, hey, I'll be home later tonight. All right, so it's a big deal. Like, okay, so yeah, here I am. So he said to him, uh, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring me word. So he sent from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields. He's trying, he's going, where where are my brothers? I thought they were here. Where are they? And the man asked him, what are you? I'm seeking my brothers. He said, tell me please where they are pasturing the flock. The man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan, and they saw him from afar. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to what? Kill him. him. They said to one another, here comes this. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. This is the word of God. You may be seated. If you're able to listen in last week or be in attendance, you will remember we uh, were reminded that sometimes we're not as much like Joseph as we want to think, and we can sometimes be more like his brothers. Joseph has on this coat. It would have been long sleeve. It would have represented that very coat that they knew very well, that they were envious of. And we were able to speak about that as well. You're going to see the byproduct of envy and jealousy today, by the way. And they see Joseph coming from afar, wearing this coat, not doing the hard work, but coming to see if they were working hard. And Joseph finds his brothers in Doth and not in Shechem. And he had made this, this journey to inspect their work reminded again in 37 verse two that he would rat them out if they weren't doing what they wanted him to be doing. And so it says very quickly, and I love his response. He says, hey, dad, if you, father, if you want me to go, I'll go. Here I am. Like, are we that easy? By the way, let me just can say this. Are we that easy when God says, I want you to do this? We're like, here I am. Well, it's going to take you a long time. Here I am we typically look at how it's going to impact us first. And then if we think that it's going to impact us in a negative way, we can justify them not doing it. So he goes to find his brothers. He goes to a man, there's a man out there over there in Dothan. And so he's like, okay, yeah, he goes to Dothan and they see him coming. Verse 18 and 19, they see him from afar. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. This was already in their heart. I mentioned jealousy and jealousy envy. Here's the word I would, if you could walk away from, from, from today with this, it would probably serve us all very well. The words are this, slow creep. You know what slow creep is? In the South, we have this thing called, uh, when I was growing up there, this thing called kudzu. I haven't seen it here. Kudzu is something, it's a plant that was brought over from Asia and it just, you can't kill it. You can spray it. I mean, it just grows. It takes over. There's barns. You can't see the barn. It's just kudzu everywhere. It just starts to take over. It starts to envelop absolutely everything. Well, that's often what jealousy and envy does in our life. It starts to take over all types of things and it starts to envelop all parts of our life. And so now this is what jealousy and envy was leading to because remember, they already didn't really care for Joseph very much. He's one of the youngest outside of Benjamin. He is the youngest. And so they're looking at him going, why does he get to be the favorite? Why does he get to be able to do this and do this? And he gets to wear the coat and he gets to come evaluate our work rather than do the work. This isn't fair. And so they see him coming and they conspire to kill him. Friends, our sin problem begins in the heart. And it's a slow creep. I'm, I'm, I truly am, have been praying that the people who are hearing these messages are going, I need to acknowledge the sin, the envy, the jealousy in my life so that I don't have that slow creep coming into play. You see, slow creep, one of the things it produces is a critical spirit. They don't know what Joseph is about to do, but because of the history that they have with him, because of the envy, because of the jealousy, they automatically assume that it's something negative. Maybe he was bringing them a big meal to eat and say, dad wants you to come home. They didn't even ask the question, did they? They see him coming from afar and they conspired to kill him. Friends, we need to acknowledge the small things in our life What we often speak about here are the splinters, the little things that become irritated, because if you ignore the splinters, they become bigger issues. And at that point, it's on you. Well, it's not fair to have all these problems. You didn't deal with it when it was a small problem. And so they have this envy, they have this jealousy. I can't believe that he gets to do this. Why don't I get to do this? It's not fair. Why does he get to go to school over there? I get to go. I have to go to school over here. If we would start seeing us as God has made us rather than how we believe others see us, we would live in a life of victory. And so, jealousy and envy is here. It's slow creep. And for many of us, slow creep has happened. Slow creep's about to happen. It starts with jealousy and envy. It's been a long time. This has been a process and a journey, right? This was happening over time. It started when they were young. They knew that he was the favorite. It says, and Joseph was born and he was the favorite. We know that from the time he was six years old when they moved. And so here he is as a favorite and this is growing over time and now because of that slow creep and maybe for some of you that slow creep in your life has distanced you from someone that it should not have distanced you from. It has caused you to speak ill of people that you should not be speaking ill of. And so slow creep is here. Jealousy and envy is revealing their heart. The emotions of the brother had a slow creep. And Joseph knew though, and I love this about Joseph. In the midst of all of it, I think here's why Joseph stood out so much. Even though he was mistreated and he was abandoned and he was rejected and he was betrayed, I think he's constantly recognized the presence of God. You see, when we go through hardship and difficulty, often we assume that God's not present. And yet Joseph knew that in the midst of difficulty and hardship, that's when he most easily saw God's presence. Just wanted to soak in. They're slow creep. Now, another problem that we see here and a lesson that we learn I think Joseph made his brothers feel uneasy, right? Like, have you ever been around that person who just loves the word and loves scripture so much and and their zeal of the Lord makes you feel uneasy? You're like, sometimes you just wanna have a bad day Man, I'm just grateful. Yeah, you know, you, you, go, you go to a friend and you're like, man, this day has been horrible. Yeah, but Lord loves you. This is going to be a good day. Will you just shut your pie hole? Anybody feel like that before? <laughs> really? First word that came to mind, self-righteous? No, I just... You, you know what I mean, like, like those people. Here's one of the things that I think that we learn in this lesson from Joseph toward his brothers is I think that sometimes the spiritual zeal of others make us feel uneasy. Does the spiritual zeal of other people in your life make you feel uneasy? And by the way, that's called conviction. You feel this heaviness in your life. Let me let me tell you how it works, okay? Just to remind the new people here, you need to recognize that we are broken, we're all sinners, we all mess up. There's nothing you can do to pay that price. You can try to be a good person, but now if you're defining good for yourself and other people defining it differently than what is good, the Lord tells us what is good and what is perfect. You can't define morality outside of Jesus. And so then you recognize, that God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you so that all who acknowledge who he is through faith will know what it is to have eternal life. That's called salvation, understanding what Christ has done. And as soon as you truly, with your heart, baptism, which we'll celebrate later on, if you want to get baptized today, come on. We already got almost 20 people being baptized. Love to have some more people. Yeah, come on, you can clap for that, right? We need to celebrate that. But what we start to recognize is that all of a sudden, as soon as you say yes to Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit comes into your life and he starts to speak into your life. That's why we say conviction is a blessing because it's often the Holy Spirit saying, hey, what are you doing? But some people don't like that feeling. And so what we do, because it makes you feel like you've done something wrong. Well, likely you have, but it doesn't mean God doesn't want to redeem and restore you. That's what we forget to speak about. God can redeem anyone from anything at any time, we know this, so we need to actually start living in it. And so here, the brothers, that conviction in their life, they reject it. And so they see their brother, Joseph, coming from afar, and they go, we got we to gotta kill him. Like, think about that slow creep. It started with envy and jealousy and ended with, we're going to kill him. Some of you have envy and jealousy and bitterness and resentfulness in your life. It starts there, and then you go to a friend and you go, "Can you believe blah 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 blah?" It just took another step, and you were a gossip and you are a slander. And some of you say it just like that. You go, "Man, we'll be like, man, can you believe that that Jeff? I don't know, if there's a Jeff in this room or anywhere else, I'm sorry, but I'm about to beat you down." <laughs> like. There, no, there, there's a Jeff and you go, hey, Jeff, can you, can, can you believe what Jeff did? Can you, can you believe what, what Jeff, I can't believe, hey, God just gives him every, he just gets, he's always shown, he gets every promotion, he gets to do this, or man, can you believe their attitude? They always walk around like this. And can you believe that they're doing this? As soon as you do that, you're a gossip and you're a slander. And then what we do is say, yeah, but I'm just sharing with them because I need to get it off my chest. It's good for me. Am I talking to anybody yet? No, you're a gossip and a slander. The word of God says, if you've got a problem with someone, you go to them in love, right? We also go to the passage that says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And you go to them and say, hey, brother, sister, like, like, I got some envy with you. I don't know if it's from you. I don't know if it's just because of my sin, but I don't want it to be there. But I see what God's doing in your life sometimes. I'm like, it's not fair. I want that too. And it's created this resentfulness. And now I assume things of you that I don't even know if are true, but I assume them of you because if I think this about you, I assume this has to be true too. Am I talking to anybody? It's a slow creep. And so this slow creep comes into your life and now all of a sudden they want to kill the guy. Their brother Like it's not some, it'd be one thing in a little bit, you're going to find out about a caravan of Ishmaelites who come and they end up buying them for 20 shekels and then take them and sell them to one of the uh, Pharaoh's leaders, Potiphar, and he lives in his house. You'll get all this. Okay. And so it's not like it's a bunch of strangers who want to kill him. It's his brothers. That's what the slow creep does. Friends, the blood of Jesus is thicker than any other blood. These are your brothers and sisters, and you're going to allow slow creep to create hostility and resentfulness and bitterness in your life. And so instead of seeing others for who they can become in Christ, you're only seeing them for the jealousy and the envy in your life. And so now your insecurity is forcing you to live according to the captivity of self rather than surrendering that and living according to the victory of Jesus. It needs to stop. And so they came near to, he was coming near to them. They conspired, verse 18, conspired against him to kill him. And they said, here comes this dreamer. Can I substitute the word dreamer real quick to make it more real life for us? Because I don't think we typically refer to people as dreamers. Here comes that goody two-shoes. Is that what we say? Is that Here comes that guy who thinks he has the answers, even though we know that he's just so crazy in love with Jesus, he doesn't care about what you say. He cares so much about what God says, that's just what he's gonna do. Somebody came to me once, like, Joel, why don't you listen to me more? I said, that's really how it started. Why don't you listen to me more? I said, do your words contradict scripture at times? Well, that's not what I'm asking. I'm letting you know, though, that that's what matters. Here comes that dreamer. And then in verse 21 and following, it says, All this is taking place. This is an amazing story. Isn't this cool? It's a great bedtime story. It's better than David and Goliath. He killed the guy. Sleep tight. <laughs> right? It was like, tell Noah's ark story before they go to bed. Yeah, the entire world was wiped out by God. Sleep well, buddy. Uh, so one of his brothers, you are going to hear about two brothers right now, Judah and Reuben, who? Here's Reuben. Remember 12 tribes of Israel, sorry. Start picking these things up. Reuben hears this and he rescues him out of their hands. So I, I think that Reuben is wanting to do good here, which I, I think is very, very positive because um, we already know in Genesis chapter 35, Reuben ends up making, uh, ha- making love, having sex with one of the concubines of his father. So he already messed up, like, big time. I don't know why. I don't know what's changed his heart here. Maybe God has gotten a hold of it. I don't know. God can redeem. And yet it tells us Reuben hears about what's taking place. I guess they weren't all right there together because the sheep would have been all over the place. It's not like the conversation that we're having right now is going to be heard if somebody's a quarter, or half mile away or a mile away. And so they all coming together and he's like, oh, hang on. He rescues them out of his hand saying, let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. That he might rescue him. So he's saying this, so he would rescue him out of the hand to restore him to his father. He wanted him to go home. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe. There it is. The one that signified what? Favoritism and hey yeah, you're the bomb diggity. Right? They stripped him of his robe and the, the robe of many colors that he wore. They took him and they threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. It says, there's no water in it. And here's the, resp- in verse, uh, Genesis chapter 27, verse 35, uh, uh, 25. It says, they throw him into the pit and they sat down to eat. It shows you the slow creep to where now they don't even have any type of, of I would say, conviction of remorse to the fact that they just took their younger brother and threw him in a pit. Like anybody, like sometimes things are happening in my life and there are certain things that can take place. I just can't eat. Like it, it's right there, right? I just can't eat. And I, I would think that if I just threw my brother into a pit to die, it would be one of those times. And they sit down to eat. What does sitting down to eat represent? It represents fellowship. It represents having a good, good time with each other. And this is their response. Does the heartache and the pain of others, has it ever triggered joy joy? In your heart. That's what they get. Yeah, they should have lost their job. They shouldn't have gotten that promotion to begin with. It's not going to sit. So Joseph came to them, they stripped him of the robe, threw him in the pit. They sat down to eat and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with the camels bearing gum and balm and myrrh on their way down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. So there's a couple of different things here in verse 21 through 27 that we got to one fall into. Sometimes I think that we need to examine, are we living in a pit? And what pit are you living in? Anybody had difficulty in their life? Raise your hand. All right? And sometimes you think you just can't bear anymore. You're going, my marriage is falling apart. Financially, I'm going to be in ruin. You You know, it's like, I hate my job. I'm trying to keep my head above water and I'm sucking air. And I'm in a pit or physically, I've got ailments. Maybe you're walking through some really horrific and bad things, maybe cancer or something like that. And you're going, I don't know what to do next. I feel like I'm in the pit. But what you're going to learn is that God can bring us and deliver us out of the pit. Remember, we we learned this week one, struggles, uh, blessings are not without struggle. Blessings are not without struggle. God can, if surrendered to him, God, it doesn't mean that God causes the pain and the heartache, but God can use them if surrendered to him. The story I always tell, right, is I've been hit a couple of times by drunk drivers. God didn't make those people drink way too much, cross the line and hit me head on. But I think God used it. I really do. I remember being in the hospital and they're pulling all the glass out of my arm. I was like, I need you to hurry. They're like, why? I'm like, because I had to preach the next morning. And they're pulling it all out and I can tell you right now, I think that nurse knows Jesus. Did God use it? So we look at this and some of us feel like we're living in a pit, but know this, you're about to learn that God can still deliver us from that pit, no matter what's going on. Joseph had just been betrayed by his brother, thrown into a pit to die, and you're gonna see God work. Not in the way that you want him to work, but you're going to see God work. So, as he's there in the pit, a caravan comes along. Reuben helps to make sure that he's thrown into the pit, as you've already heard. Reuben's interesting because I think that he is someone, if you look in this passage, God was doing something in him, I believe. I truly do. Because otherwise he would have let it ride. He thought about his father. I think he was thinking about his father because he's like, let, let let our brother go back to it. He, he wanted his brother to go back to the father. He knew what maybe it would do to his father. But instead of standing firm and saying, no, we're not doing this, he I think he found something that could make everybody happy. Guys, we can't kill him. Let's throw him in a pit. Maybe they'll go for this. I'm try, I've, been, I've read this so many times, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what exactly is this? Because I don't want to build out something that is actually not there, but I think he's wanting to do right, and yet he won't fully step into it, and so he compromises. And sometimes I think we do that. I think sometimes we compromise a call of God for something toward God, but that's easier. I mean, why could he not have just said, no, we're not doing this. He's our brother. I know that he's the favorite. And we don't like it very much. And we know that he think, we think that he gets all the good stuff and we get all the bad stuff and it's not fair, but it is life. We're not doing this guys. And let it be that so that Joseph can sit down and eat with him. Nope, doesn't happen. It doesn't happen and sometimes maybe we're the ones compromising a call of God for something just a little bit easier and we feel like we're stepping toward God but it's not where he really wants us to land but at least we get a little way there and maybe these other people buy into it so that we're not too isolated ourselves because what if trying to do the godly creates hostility not only for them but for us Joseph shows up, they bully him, rip off the coat. I think um, I told you over a hundred parallels to Joseph. They ripped off his clothes, they're ripping off Joseph's clothes. They, They nailed Jesus to a cross, they throw Joseph in a pit. They sit down to eat a meal and they ignore the convictions in their heart. Fortunately, at this moment, I don't, think that, I, don't, I don't think they had a plan. Their plan was to kill him. I don't think they had a plan to do something with them outside of throwing them in a the pit at this point because that was last minute, right? Reuben said, hey, instead of killing him, let's throw them in the pit. So they say, sure, let's throw them into a pit. And then this caravan, of Ishmaelites from Gilead come. They're traveling down to Egypt. And then they, so they ask this question when this is happening in verse 26. They say, well, Judah, there's Judah. I told you Reuben and Judah are gonna step into the picture. Judah steps into the picture and he says, hey, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Part of what I read in this is someone saying, we're not gonna get anything for that. Let's at least make a buck or two. Now, I hope some of you are good at math. They're going to sell him for 20 shekels. How many brothers are present? 10. Benjamin's not there. I'm not counting Joseph. Joseph. How many brothers are there? How many shekels are they going to sell them for? How many do they each get? Not that much. Whenever you have to divide anything by 10, it's usually not a good thing. But at least they get to make a little bit. And so now they're willing to do something evil in order to profit something in the temporary. Joseph's emotions, I don't know what they were. He's brought out of that pit. Maybe he, when they are bringing him out of the pit, they're thinking, he's thinking to himself, okay, finally, my brother's wise up. This is great, this is great. But no, he gets out of that pit and he sees a bunch of people he doesn't know that he is then being sold to. So they sell Joseph to these traders. This caravan of Ishmaelites. For a profit of 20 shekels. And then in verse 28 through 36, the Midianite traders passed by. Midianite traders, Ishmaelite traders, same. They drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit, sold him to those Ishmaelites for 20 shekels. They took Joseph to Egypt. And when Reuben returned to the pit, now this is important. This, is, this, is, this will get you a little bit. Obviously, again, they're not all present. At all times, they're tending to the sheep, big territory. Reuben comes back and he recognizes that Joseph isn't there. And so he tore his clothes. You're going to see this from Reuben and you're going to see it later on from Jacob, his father. For the Jewish people, the tearing of clothes, all that, it represented a mourning and a grieving. So he's going to tear his clothes because he's mourning because he assumes that now his, they killed his brother. That has to be the assumption here. You're not going to have the tearing of clothes if he has only been sold. If that's what they already know, you have the tearing of the clothes because he's been killed, right? And so he's assuming that his brother is no more, and he returns to his brother. He's like, "The boy is gone, and where, where shall, shall I go?" And so they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat, and they drip they dipped the blood, the robe in the blood, and they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father. And this is a, piece, this is verse 32. This is a piece that just gets me, is that they're okay doing this. Hey, I know my dad loves this and I'm going to let him live in the misery and the grieving and the mourning that is to come because of my jealousy and envy. Because of the what? That that slow creep of sin in my life. Remember, that's how it works. This is how Satan, the evil one works. He just wants you to take one small step. Oh man, that's not fair. And then you don't deal with that envy? oh, man, I can't, they just got this over and over again. It's not fair. Man, can you believe, and you go to a friend, what they're getting? It's not fair that they're getting this. And, 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 and then all of a sudden they say something and you automatically assume the worst in anything that they say. It just keeps creeping, right? It keeps going and going, right? Have you ever looked at someone? I remember looking at a loved one once and I said, man, and it was my wife. Um, I looked at her and I said, like, you look so nice today. Did I not look nice yesterday? It's like insecurity, like just flaring all over the place. This was years and years and years ago. Does that ever happen? Like you give somebody a compliment and they turn it and they're like, I'm like, wow, just say thank you. Just say thank you. Even if it is you didn't look good yesterday, at least that meant you look good one day. And so we see these brothers allowing for such pain. They sent the robe of colors and brought it to the father and said, this we have found, please identify whether it's your son's robe or not. And he identifies it, this is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. So it's letting you into his mind and his heart about what he's assuming that has taken place. So they see this And it says that Jacob, verse 34, tore his garments, there it is again, and put sackcloth on, a sign of grieving and mourning. And in that moment, I would like to think, even if all of these wrongs have been done, I step in. We step in. We would all step in, right? And say, No, 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 Dad, we're so sorry he's not dead, but we did sell him because we're so angry and so envious and so jealous. And that slow creep has been in our heart for years and years and years, but he's not dead. And we just dipped it in the blood of an animal, and we're so sorry. We're going to do everything we can to go find him. Is that what happened? No, they let their father live in that pain. And by the way, guess what? When, when, when Jacob looked at Joseph and said, I want you to go find his brothers, it was 22 years before he would find his son once again, that he mourned and he grieved. And when the mourning and the grieving of others, whether they are believers or not, no longer starts to bother us in our heart, we do not comprehend what Jesus Christ has delivered us from. I'm I'm trying to let us sit in this because I think we need to sit and soak. So he tore his garments. And he says, I shall, in verse 35, I shall go down to Shoal to my son mourning. I should go to, what this is saying? I should go to death. I'm gonna go to death mourning, and they're they're okay with this. Where's their conscience? What what do you need to surrender in life to live with a clear conscience? Have some of you had slow creep? And that's where I want to end it today. I just want you to process. I want us to go, man, look at what, Joseph has been betrayed and yet he's still striving to live in the presence of God. I truly believe that. But the brothers, look at what they've done with the slow creep. Look at what it's caused. And they're okay with the mourning and the grieving from others. Look at what they've done. some of us need to step in and say I need to surrender. Some of you need to surrender to Jesus because there's so much some of you are truly you, there's hatred in your life and envy and jealousy and resentfulness and bitterness. You don't even celebrate how God is using someone else because you go it's not fair, it should be me. I should be the favorite. I had a pastor come to me once. He didn't mean it like this. This It's amazing how he's like, why is God using you? A pen's taken, right? So I don't, don't, his ways are higher. Like he was talking about the church. He's like, why is God using this church? Like what's the name again? And why do you have an E on the end of point? Never heard that one before. I have no clue by the way. I know we're not worthy to be used, but I know I will celebrate being used, right? And I am praying that every single person in this room and every single venue and every single location watching, watching this will go, you know what? One day I was in a pit, but God delivered me. God delivered me. Get out of the pit and let's live for Jesus. Amen. God, I come before you. I praise you. I celebrate you. I declare your goodness. May you receive glory and honor, worship and praise forever and ever. Amen.